0: Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's um, episode, it is my pleasure to welcome um, Dr. Edward Kim. He is a physical therapist, and I'm going to be honest, like most of the careers that I've been interviewing on this podcast, I don't know much, but I'm thankful for um, his insight today. Hey, Edward, how are you? Good. How you doing, Blair? Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, so, Let's just jump right in. You know, I know you have a family, um, so I'm not going to take up too much of your time today, but um, could you tell me a little bit about what you do as a physical therapist?
1: Yeah, so I've been a physical therapist for about seven, eight years. Um, I've been in the profession to help um, people in different populations, different demographics. I started out in an outpatient setting. I used to work at Emory, working in more of a sports spine setting. Helping patients after surgery or helping patients just get back to doing what they enjoy doing. Currently, I actually work for a home agency, so now I provide home visits, um, which has been great. So, As you mentioned, I have a family, so it's been awesome just um, being able to spend more time with kids,
0: Mm.
1: make my own schedule, and therefore go into people's homes and spend more quality time on helping patients get better.
0: Um, so I used to be an athlete myself and I'm Mm -hmm. gonna be honest, you know, what I know about physical therapy is that usually after I had gotten injured, I'd go to see a physical therapist, a PT. Mm -hmm. But um that's not always the case, right? Like physical therapy is like preventative care too, right?
1: Yeah, and that's what has changed a lot over the past couple of years. People like you mentioned, people used to go to physical therapy just after an injury and most people's conception of physical therapy is just exercises or machines mm-hmm. or you know some just doing boring things. But nowadays, it's about prevention, living an active lifestyle, teaching and really educating patients on how to really take care of your body. So for me, what I actually emphasize a lot on with all of my clients is a lot of education, um, a lot of discussion. And a lot of times we just sit there and talk and help them to build confidence on what they can and can't do. Okay. Like a, like a client I saw this morning, he, he actually just had back surgery. I was seeing him in the home setting and he just wanted to know what he can and can't do because mm. he was actually seeing a different therapist and he just felt like he wasn't being challenged. Mm. He felt like he wasn't being pushed to, to live the lifestyle that he wanted. Mm. So for the first 30 minutes, we actually just talked and discussed on what he can do Uh, what he should be doing, and where he should be along this process.
0: I feel like that's such a vulnerable place to be, too. Like, just having something as serious as back surgery and then feeling Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, everything you used to do, you can't do anymore. So I feel like talking to someone that would know really know how to strengthen your body back to where it is is so important and and I feel like a home setting would be like I would feel more comfortable talking to someone about it
1: yeah and it's been it's actually been a blessing too cuz despite of covid and the recent pandemic mm-hmm. more clients are actually wanting me to come in home instead of them going to a gym or instead of going them instead of them going to a facility sure and also when I can go into people's homes I can actually provide one-on-one quality care for a lot longer than mm-hmm. actually being in a busy outpatient setting where you're seeing multiple people. You can't provide that one-on-one contact or one-on-one care that you would normally do in, in the home setting.
0: So, like, what about like equipment and stuff? As far as, am I is that a misconception mm-hmm. that I have? No, no. no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I think what I've realized is for the past couple of years working as a therapist. For me, I I like to keep things simple. There are so many things you can do with your body without rubber bands, without weights. Because for most people, if they're needing therapy, if they're in pain, most of the time, just doing things with their own body is challenging in itself. Mm -hmm. Meaning just um, body weight squats, body weight lunges, Mm -hmm. teaching them how to move properly, teaching them about balance. So therefore, I think what most therapists tend to do is introduce weights or resistance too early when they haven't set the foundation right mm,
2: okay
1: so i've actually been very comfortable going to people's homes actually without much equipment and just to be able to teach them what they can do in their house be uh, showing them what equipment they can use that they have in the home
0: That's awesome, though. It's like so Mm -hmm. applicable to somebody that has nothing at home, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you mentioned before that you worked at Emory and you're doing Mm -hmm. a different type of um, care. Um, Was that a lot different than what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah. So when I was at Emory, working in an outpatient setting and working for different practices and even for different doctors, in a typical eight-hour day, I would on average, see about 24 to 30 people a day. <sighs> so if you break that down in an eight-hour day, you're spending, let's say, about 15, 20 minutes, so 30 minutes at the most with each client.
0: Yeah, that's not long at all.
1: It's not. and they're, But you're you working for a big company, and they're trying to – so kind of long story short, is more based on quantity over quality because mm-hmm. as a business, they need to be successful. They need to make money.
0: Sure,
1: but then in the home setting, for me, on average, on, on a full day, I'll see anyone from six to eight, eight, six to eight patients a day,
0: and um, in that time, you get to spend more time with them individually. I guess
1: exactly. I and mean, if you more. for me, I believe that the more the more quality time you can spend with the patient, the the um, they'll get better quicker. Sure, they'll get back to their part of lifestyle quicker than they were if they were going somewhere else just for 15, 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, I know you've kind of already talked about it a little bit, but could you tell me, maybe walk me through a typical day as a physical mm-hmm. therapist that goes in home?
1: Yeah. So right now, uh, so I'll wake up. I usually get the boys ready, get, get the kids ready, uh, take care of home. So I'll get them get breakfast ready for them, um, do whatever I need to do at home. And then because I'm on the road, I'll have all my stuff with me in the car. So usually I'll leave the house around like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, get to the first patient's home around 9 or 10 whenever they're scheduled. And then go in there, spend 45 45 minutes, an hour with the patient, going through with them, you know, different exercises or any hands-on treatment on what their complaint is on what they're doing and then just really teaching them on what they can do around the house Mm. and then i always a lot about 15 20 minutes or 30 minutes of drive time in between the next client and so therefore so i'm on the road all day i'm driving around all day Mm. um just for perspective (laughs) i bought a new car last april Uh uh-huh and me and my wife were talking about this the other day. I was looking at the mileage of my car. <laughs> Within a year, I have about 44,000 miles on my car.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, just kinda, so that just kind of tells you um, I'm on the road all day, driving between patients, calling patients in between patients while I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. So we're yeah, just going from house to house. And then so after I about, see about six to eight patients a day, I'll come home, usually around four or five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the good thing about the home setting is if I can, if I had to be home early, I can shift patients around for a different day. If I need to take my boys to a doctor's appointment or take them to take them somewhere else, then I can just shift my schedule around according to that. So it's very flexible, which is nice.
0: That's nice. Um, oh, What was I going to say? What were you talking? Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, So you were saying um, that you... You're driving around to different places and you're going to different patients. Oh I didn't remember now. I was gonna ask you if you mm-hmm. are are you like privately contracted or do you work through a company that does this mm-hmm. that finds clients?
1: Yeah, so funny so actually right now I work with a home agency mm-hmm. um, so right now the primary population I work with is Medicare okay uh, or more the geriatrics patients that. Just recently had surgery, just recently came out of the hospital, recently, um, let's see, just had a fall, had a stroke, uh, had Parkinson's, just mainly for, or just had a recent fall too, basically trying to get back to on their feet. Then also on the side as well, I'm also working on my own practice to focus on more of the high level clientele. Oh. So, so with my own practice, I'm actually working on going to patients' homes that are just, you know, just middle-aged people or young population or even active population or even some of the athletes that I'll see is basically helping them or helping them get back to doing what they want to do in the home setting as well. Mm-hmm. So full-time working work with an agency, and then on the side, I uh, actually just established my own practice to help clients on a higher level
0: what? or
1: high-level clients get, get back to being better
0: you have your own practice too my mm-hmm. goodness um I mean what, what does that even entail like I'm sure that's so, how do you get your clients
1: so this is is brand new actually not many people <laughs> like
0: how new how new <laughs> how new is it
1: <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you I'll, tell, I'll I'll mention the name later but okay. I just I just established a company uh, a couple weeks ago
0: a couple weeks my, ago. Yeah. <laughs> wow, so congratulations. I, That's awesome. Thank
1: you. Thank you. So I, I just established my own LLC, my own company. Um, just a little backstory. I used to have a partnership with a good friend of mine, and we had a out-of-network private practice uh, okay. based out of a gym. Okay. Didn't, didn't do much home visits, but even through with them, I saw a couple of patients or some, a couple of clients and athletes in the home setting is, is it was more convenient for them mm. but right now my primary focus and my main goal for my practice is to provide in-home concierge visits whether it's in the home setting office setting such as corporate office or even wow. in their own gym setting that's so therefore brilliant. yeah so, so and especially with COVID that's what I, that's when I realized it was there was a demand I've had patients or old clients um, friends and family reach out to me and say, "Hey, I just got hurt. Can I come see you?" But I tell them I'm on the road. Uh, something I can even offer, something I can do better for you is I can come to you, so that way you don't have to waste time driving to me, yes. waste time driving back to work or back home. So therefore, you take exactly an hour out of your day.
0: That's awesome.
1: So that's what I've been working on. Um,
0: so, so how's
1: the that company, been? Decide the the side stuff. It's been good. It's um just recently started. I haven't made it live yet. I'm still going through the whole process of website and logo yes. and getting everything legally done correctly. Mm-hmm. So that way when I do go live in in a couple months that we're set to go. But right now, uh, like you asked really, it's just all word of mouth. Okay. These are clients. These are friends or family or old clients of mine that I've worked with in the past, and I've been getting a lot of referrals lately from old clients that they refer their their friends and their family.
0: Mm, well, that is very exciting. I'm like, I don't want to get hurt, but if I do, <laughs> I know I'm gonna
1: call. <laughs> yeah, I'll come to you, I, and I always tell you, all I need is about just a little five foot space. So enough for because I bring my own table,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I bring my own equipment. Um, anything that I need I'll bring a little bag with me the table's for for any massage or any exercise okay Um, I do a lot of dry needling I do cupping I do soft tissue I do joint work and therefore I bring my own table so that way if I need to get you on the table whether it's laying on your back laying on your stomach and working on a specific body part I can um, use a table instead of a couch or instead of a bed
0: makes sense Mm wow yeah physical therapy has changed a lot since I was in need of one (laughs) (laughs) but um so okay we've we're talking about all this stuff but what I kind of want to know too Edward is Mm -hmm. how did you even decide to be a physical therapist you know like when did you were like yeah this is what I wanted to do
1: yeah, I wish I could say it was something I wanted to do ever since I was a little kid, but that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't until late college that um, was actually I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Mm. I thought I wanted to go the personal training route or the athletic training route.
0: So you've when always was, been kind of like into sports, then?
1: I was always into sports. Okay, uh, but during early co- college. My dad actually wanted me to be an oral surgeon or go to the dentistry, right? Well, oh wow. But then once I found out that you had to go to med school and dental school sure. and I was be- and I hated chemistry, <laughs> I figured that was not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I figured I wanted to do something more sports related, more people related. Okay. So then late college, that's when I was debating between personal training, athletic training, strength and conditioning for uh, sports teams, or um, physical therapy. And during then, that's when I actually talked with some mentors in Florida, talked with my cousin, which is also a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And then a friend that was a physical therapist down in Florida, was they are mentioning or recommending that physical therapy might be a good idea because of the baby boomers. They said in a couple of years, with all the baby boomers, there's going to be high demand. Oh, interesting. And then especially with the profession with benefits and compensation and just kind of overall lifestyle, they're recommended, recommending that it's a good lifestyle. It's a good profession. And the great thing is, it's very, what do you call it? It's very flexible. So if I got bored with sports or outpatient, I can go focus on kids, pediatrics, or I can even do geriatrics. Um, I can work in the home setting. I can work in a school setting. I can work in a hospital I can work. Um, yeah, so it's really very flexible. You can, che- mm. if you get bored, you can always um, decide to do something else.
0: Nice. Okay, so you yeah, decided. Yeah, so physical- college, that's when
1: I decided. Okay.
0: And then what happens, like, after that? Like, you go to, I don't know, physical <laughs> therapy school? What is, I don't know. What is?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think I went the unusual route. So after I graduated from University of Florida for college, I still needed a couple more classes to take to apply to physical therapy school. Okay. And that's when I found out that I, uh, I actually ended up having to take chemistry again. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> uh, Although I hated chemistry and, that, and I tried to avoid that by not going to dental school, I realized I needed to take chemistry and take a couple different courses. So mm-hmm. I actually took two years off and actually that's when I took time and dedicated working in an actual physical therapy clinic for two years. As an assistant as a tech oh
0: wow okay and that
1: well and to better answer your question that is probably when I really realized that's what I wanted to do mm-hmm. so working in the clinic for two years seeing patients seeing clients and seeing them get better really made me want to do what the therapists were doing to get them better nice I'll be the I'll be the one that the patients will see after the therapists work with to do exercises or Teaching them simple things, but I always want to be the one to do the hands-on or to evaluate and to figure out what's wrong with the patient to get Mm -hmm. them better. So during those few years, I took a couple courses, got my experience, and which I think was a very which I think was a blessing because a lot of physical therapy schools nowadays, instead of just looking at your GPA or grades or on paper, they like to see volunteer hours, they like to see experience, Mm. they like to see a well-rounded applicant as opposed to someone just coming out of school.
0: That's great so whereas a lot of my,
1: yeah, So whereas a lot of my classmates came right out of school, uh-huh. me and just a couple of few, few of my classmates, we were one of the few that actually had work experience, mm. which is great because actually for me, that's when I learned um, like finances. I learned how to manage my time, um, being in a real work setting. Mm -hmm. and also take classes at the same time and also get plenty of exposure to the practice or to the profession so a lot of grad schools saw that as me dedicating my time and really dedicating um me 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 being committed to the profession
2: Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. i um feel like that's such an advantage just for you personally you know to be exposed Mm -hmm. um before you went into college like before you went into grad school because Mm -hmm. um it's almost like or I talk to my husband about this all the time he's an he's a structural engineer Mm -hmm. and you know not to bash on his schooling or anything but you know (laughs) he says you know he feels like you know when you're in school you just in one year out the other you know you study for Mm -hmm. the test kind of thing and then he wishes that like he could have worked as an en- structural engineer beforehand for a little bit mm-hmm. and then went back to school and realized, Oh, these things are the things that are important and I need to know. So do you feel exactly. like that kind of happened for you when you, as entering, entering grad school?
1: Yeah. And I think you kind of nailed it on the head. So basically even during grad school, one of my favorite professors always told us it was after our first exam, I think 75% of the, um, students in the class failed the first exam. Uh, and what he said, the best advice he ever told us, and something I always tell even to PT students that I mentor or PT students that come shadow me, is that it's not the, it's not the students that make the best grades mm. in PT school that are, become the best PTs, but most of the time it's the PTs that can actually communicate and build relationships with the patients mm. that tend to see the best results and, and tend to be the best therapists. So that, I think that's what gave me the advantage of working in a clinic for two years prior to grad school was me being able to interact, work with clients, build relationships, and be in that setting instead of coming out straight from undergrad going into grad school yeah. without that experience. So therefore, it gave me the exposure on how to talk with patients, mm-hmm. how to communicate with them on a basically... On a personal level, mm-hmm. on a physical therapy level, and then it helped me to uh, to learn how to build relationships.
0: Yeah, that's so important. I feel like, especially in the career that this that we're talking about right now. Um, mm-hmm. So PT school itself, like, what was it like? How long is it?
1: So our school was accelerated. So we were, I believe, was it seven semesters? so about two, little under three years.
0: What does it mean, okay. accelerated? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> like, what do you, like you, you just went to a fast-paced school or what?
1: Kind of. So I went to a private school down okay, in Florida okay. in St. Okay. Augustine. And most PT schools are, are three-year programs. Okay. We were a little under three years. So we started school in August of, was it 2010? And we we're done by December of 2012.
0: Oh, okay. That's
1: accelerated. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so Just a little over two years. So, yeah, grad school was about two, a little over two years. It was probably some of the best times of my life. Um, some of the hardest times, too, mm-hmm. just because college I could get by without studying. Sure, college I could yeah. get by cramming for an exam the night before. I learned the hard way in grad school that you can, you, it's impossible to study the night before for a grad school exam. Mm-hmm. So it taught me to just study differently study along the way and at the same time because a lot of us were studying so hard that's you know we had a lot of fun going to grad school by the beach
0: oh yeah awesome. <laughs>
1: so um it was a lot of fun but it was also um a hard time too, being in school yeah
0: um so after you graduate school grad mm-hmm. school. Um, is there a licensing test or a certification after that, mm-hmm. I'm assuming?
1: Yes. Yeah, so after you graduate from u- your university, there's a national board exam that you take. Okay. And it's just another standardized t- – basically the last standardized testing that you have to take before start working at in the real world. Okay. And it basically covers every material, basically, you've earned in grad school. Stuff Is it pretty that-
0: challenging? Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a tough exam. Um, I'm not sure what the pass rate is, but um, and it covers a lot of things that a lot of us will say that we will never use again. <laughs> <laughs> and they go over a lot of things that may have been addressed a couple times during grad school. Okay. So it's just another standardized testing to make sure that a lot of the students are ready to be a therapist in, in the setting. But it also, I don't believe. What score you get determines on how good of a therapist you'll be.
0: Yeah, sure. I I agree with that too. I feel like my dad always jokes that you know, if you like graduate med school with a C average, they still call you doctor. But exactly. like, <laughs> like, but um, um, and also so, like
1: when uh, you oh go ahead.
0: No, it's okay. Go ahead. No,
1: no, I was just I was just gonna say when you. After and for people that are listening out there that are interested in PT school and working afterwards, is that when you go apply for jobs, no one cares if uh, what what score you got on the board exam. Mm-hmm. No, not many people care too much about what school you went to. Mm-hmm. All they want to see is that license number. And if if they see that you pass the boards and you have a license number, then you're good to go nice so no one no one will know what yeah no one cares what grades you got during grad school no one cares about your gpa they just want to see that you passed
0: i would say the same thing for college too it's like no one asked you what your (laughs) sat score was or anything like that so exactly no it's good to know i feel like um if there are probably people out there thinking those things are critical, but really from what it sounds like um, the most critical part of being a good physical therapist is that relational part. And um, Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, yeah, I agree with that because, you know, you're spending a lot of time with this person that's trying to make you better. And again, it's usually in a situation where, you know, you're injured And probably Mm -hmm. discouraged so and vulnerable yeah makes a lot of sense um so uh, i noticed uh after some social media stalking sorry (laughs) that you (laughs) have some like certifications behind Mm -hmm. your name dr edward kim so on so on so on and a bunch of other Mm -hmm. letters um Mm -hmm. could you kind of speak on those certifications a little bit that you am i wrong in saying that no uh
1: yeah so Um, I'm a doctorate of physical therapy. Uh And then also, the school that the university that I went to specialized in hands on manual therapy. Mm -hmm. What is that? Meaning, it just means um, trying to keep it simple. So, our school really emphasized on hands on. Manual work, so meaning instead of just going through or giving you exercises, uh-huh. our our school taught us to really feel for the body and uh. to basically to see how your muscles move, how your joints move, and to be really good with our hands. Mm. So for me, I think it says a lot. Not to go too deep into it, but if you, if you put your hands on the patient or a client or a friend, there's something calming and comforting about that. Sure. Yeah. So when, when I actually work with my hands for a lot of patients, I can feel results. I can see that they can them getting better, they feel more comfortable, as opposed to just me sitting um, meeting them face to face and giving them a bunch of exercises to do, or just talking to them without ever laying my hands on them.
0: Makes sense. So that so. includes like what you said, like. Um, the massaging and the mm-hmm. cupping and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, just manual therapy, and then also I'm certified in dry needling, something that What's a that? lot of therapists. <laughs> <laughs> so since... No, so similar to acupuncture. Um, oh. It,
0: but... You said dry um, needling. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, dry needling.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, it's just another form of manual therapy, another tool in a lot of therapist's toolbox to help with. Uh, pain or movement, uh, getting people to feel better, similar to acupuncture where we use the same type of needles, but just the whole philosophy is different. Um, So
0: in dry needling, did you learn that in grad school too?
1: We had a brief, not say like a brief course on it, like Mm -hmm. introduction, Mm -hmm. but um, at that time, not many schools were implementing it. And actually even then, Florida wasn't allowed to do dry needling, mm. but um, I actually got certified after I graduated and had some experience of working in this uh, as, as a physical therapist to as, as more of a continuing education course.
0: Um, so I guess needles don't freak you out.
1: <laughs> they don't. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know. I guess I just feel like, um, sorry, sorry, so what is the benefit in dry needling?
1: So the benefit of the dry needling is to help basically to release tension, help your muscles to relax mm-hmm. and to help with pain. I won't go too deep into the science of it, but it's another technique that we can do just like massage, just like soft tissue work to actually t- target the deeper muscles for it to relax and for it to feel better.
0: Oh, so you have a lot of tools in your bag. <laughs> that's good yeah. that's awesome
1: yeah and they're and their patients of mine, class um, they that actually seek me out specifically just for that okay to help them because they've seen benefits from it they've seen good results from it and also from word of mouth they've heard from their friends or other colleagues or even you know, their doctors there's physicians chiropractors and other therapists that are using the dry needling as one of their tools
0: nice that's pretty I'm like interested now so okay I <laughs> Just a little I'll, quick...
1: I'll have to come back and show you a demo.
0: Yeah, please. Because Okay, so just a quick backstory. I used to be a figure skater. I grew up as a competitive figure mm-hmm. skater. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of just trauma to my body um, mm-hmm. for doing it for 15 years, uh, slamming yeah. my body against the ice. <laughs> and oh, and then um, the PT that I was referring to is um, I actually tore two ligaments in my ankle And so recovery mm -hmm. after that was really tough. Um, And it actually took me away from the sport permanently. It wasn't the only reason, but um, it was a huge reason just because um, I just, it was, my ankle was never the same again. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really, I was only like 16, 17 when it happened. Um, But anyways, all that to say the dry needling and everything you're saying, I'm like, because I still experience pain in my back. (laughs) And I'm like... Oh, interesting! Like, can I, like but um, yeah,
1: I'll, I'll definitely to come by and, yeah, and take a no. look at your back and your ankle and everything.
0: No. I'm yeah, getting like a definitely. free consultation <laughs> during this podcast.
1: Oh, of course.
0: <laughs> um, but anyways, um, so you were you were saying? It, do you have any other certifications that?
1: And then another one that I'm specializing is uh, is for golf. So I'm I'm a certified medical professional for Toddless Performance Institute. Uh, so my passion over the past couple of years has been golf, mm. and my primary niche or demographic population that I ideally want to work with is mainly golfers. Mm. Uh, my wife played a little bit. My, my my wife grew up playing golf, and that's something that we enjoy. Before we we had kids, we would go out and play golf three or four times a week together.
0: Nice. But
1: obviously it's been a little harder now. We got two little boys.
0: Sure. Yeah. But
1: um I fell in love with the sport and it's something that I really wanted to do. And I was a couple of years ago I was thinking, what can I do in this profession as a physical therapist to work with golfers?
2: Mm. And
1: then at the time there was a course called TPI, Tyler's Performance Institute, that was actually teaching rehab professionals, like medical professionals fitness professionals, and golf instructors and golf professionals how to work with golfers. So with that, I went the medical route and learned how the golf swing affects the body. Mm. So therefore, I went to different couple of different certifications for that. So that way, I can help golfers get back to swinging better, moving better, and also with me building a team with other fitness Golf fitness professionals and golf professionals to help our clients, which is the golfer.
0: That's really cool. So, like, a yeah,
1: so um, little niche so right there.
0: Do you like, um, do so? You do exercises for them that would like just better their golf game?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really awesome. I just think yeah, that's so, so cool.
1: So, and I think it's great because, you know, within a profession with something we're doing, you want to be motivated and you want to be excited with the people you work with. Mm -hmm. And also at the same time, if you're not a people person, if you um, don't like to be around people or can't uh, have a hard time building a relationship or communicating, then it's not the right profession. Yeah. But so therefore I think if you can find the niche that you enjoy, and for me, it's the golfers, more of the high level active population is that No, I enjoy just talking golf with them. I enjoy asking them about their golf game. I enjoy yeah, just talking all golf with my clients.
0: That's really. So therefore,
1: I help them. Yeah, so I help them. I look at the golf swing. I look at and see what limitations with their body is affecting different parts of the golf swing, and then we fix that. See if it if the swing gets better, and then we'll see if. They can actually play better. Also, I will, I will refer them to a golf professional if they need lessons to help them with different things.
0: Mm. Um, what I really find fascinating and I um, kind of admire and what you said is that, yeah, like you're in a career and then you were able to find a niche that you love mm-hmm. and just really make it work. And I think. Um, I mean, I can tell you're a very like motivated person, (laughs) but, but, you know, I think that's really encouraging for young people to hear that are just starting off in their careers too, whether it's PT or anything else, you know, find Mm -hmm. what you love. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, you know, in your career up until now, um, are there any like challenging things that you've come upon or what's the most difficult part of your job or is there anything you don't like?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's ups and downs with every profession. Um, So before I started my own practice, what I did enjoy, did not enjoy, was the insurance side of it. Mm. Um, Working in a setting where insurance dictated how many visits a patient can be seen, insurance dictated on kind of quality of the care that I could provide.
2: Mm.
1: So that's why the route that I went for my my own my own practice, and which is a lot of physical therapy practices are transitioning to, is we don't take insurance. Um, I'm considered out of network, oh, okay. so that way we don't have to deal with the headache of insurance and the reimbursements and trying to fight constant low reimbursements every year. So therefore, we're not dictated by the insurance, but we're actually just we can just focus on providing good quality care. Mm. With our patients, without any barriers, and then also I think along the way, there's always ups and downs with specific clientele. You meet different patients,
0: sure.
1: Um, but for the most part, clients are great. People are great. <laughs> they they appreciate they appreciate the help. They appreciate me coming out to work with them and spending time with them, so that they can get back to golf or running or working out or simple just. A lot of new moms, you know, being able to hold their kids or play with the kids. And yeah. the funny thing is that actually a lot of new dads that have reached out to me is you know, they're having a lot of back pain and hip pain because they're constantly bending over, constantly picking their kids up and just teaching them how to do specific things so, they, so that they can be healthy to play with their kids.
0: Mm. Well, wow, I never even would have thought of that moms i'm
1: like yeah. yes but dad <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I mean, moms dads um well i'll say it's new parents mm. you know, um common to have shoulder pain hip pain back pain um especially with new babies and also as the babies get older you know with toddlers because you're constantly picking them up carrying them around yeah carrying them on one side you know on one hip compared to the other
0: Wait, so, like, you give them exercises to strengthen their body for these t- types of, like, day-to-day activities that they're doing, yeah. like picking up their kids and stuff?
1: Yeah, it can be exercises. It can be technique. It can be just teaching them on how to lift things properly or educating them on what to do and what not to do. But then it's also depending on how they're presenting, what their impairments are. You know, with the manual therapy with the hands-on, I can help them to kind of correct some impairments on, like, I guess, which, uh, whatever they have trouble with, and then reinforcing that with either exercise or good technique or a good discussion on what they should or what should not do.
0: So, like, the patient is ex- – you're expecting the patient to do these things at home though, <laughs> in order for them to get better, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's it. so that's her homework um okay and if my wife listens to this you know um it'd be funny because i gave her so she's she's a um, she's at her desk a lot uh mm-hmm. working the corporate field so she has neck pain headaches um shoulder pain and she always comes to me and asks me to help her so i work on her neck i do some dry needling i do some massage and I gave her homework to do. I gave her some exercises to do. Uh-huh. But she never does them. Because right. she Because she always says, I have you. Why do I need to to exercise? I always say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so she's always saying, she's always telling me that she always has me to help her. But but yeah, with the patients, I tell them, you know, homework is important. Mm. Making sure you keep all the things to do for home. So that way, I'm not coming out each time doing the same thing over and over, but right. we're really helping you to progress and re- reach goals and to do new things.
0: Nice. I'm. Yeah. I also used to be a coach, so I'm like, you, you know, I can only tell you one yeah. thing. So, if you don't do it then.
1: <laughs> yeah. But,
0: so so uh, you
1: understand. You understand yeah, the yeah. coaching, coaching aspect of it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um so what I mean I feel like you may have touched on it already but like what's something you love about your job or like yeah um
1: (laughs) so at this point in this at this point in my career I love the autonomy I love the flexibility Mm -hmm. um having two boys and a family you know so I can spend time with my wife you know two little boys I love that I can kind of make my own schedule I can see patients when I need to, when I when I want to, instead of being stuck in a office or in a clinic from nine to five, nine to six. Yeah. That's something I realized about myself too, is I hate being in one spot. I just get kind of stir crazy. So it's good for me to be on the road, kind of get that mental break in between each patient. Mm-hmm. So that when I do go see a patient and spend time with them, that I can give them all my energy and all my care. Yeah. So therefore better than being in a clinic, I like to be on the road. Um, but something I do love is my patients. I do really enjoy building the relationships with all my clients and yeah, you ask any of them. Uh, you ask some of my colleagues too, that when I go in there, I know the patients, you know, first and last name, I know who their husband or wife is. I usually ask them about the kids. You know, I ask them about the grandparents. Um, you know, it's about getting to know them on a personal level. Mm. It's not about just it's not about just their injury, but it's also about you know who they are, what they do, what brought them to me and like what brought them like how they are today.
0: Yeah. Um so, uh, is there anything that maybe we haven't talked about that. Maybe you'd want to share with people listening about your career or anything at all. If you don't, that's hmm. okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I'd say. I mean, if anyone anyone's listening, if they have any questions, they can always reach out. I love to yeah. talk with people. Um, I've had many students and many, so many students and friends and other people shadow me and observe. And just really spend time with me to see what I do. And it's been great because there's some people, some of my friends out there where I've seen them come shadow me when they're in college. Mm -hmm. And then I've seen the process of them applying to grad school. And then while they're in grad school, I've stayed in communication with them on exams or study habits or Mm -hmm. how to make the most out of grad school. And then I I was even to the point where they were uh, getting ready to graduate figuring out jobs, figuring out bo- um, studying for the boards, mm-hmm. and getting tips on what to do to prepare and study. And even to the point where after they got done, well, after they graduated, they took the boards and then just giving them advice on their first job, yeah. on what, to, how much to ask for salary, how, what to look for in benefits, what type of setting to work for, and, or what type of setting not to work for so that they don't get burnt out. Mm. Um. But for me, I think it's just, it's a great profession where if you love people, love talking with people, building relationships, and most of all helping people to see improvements and progress in front of your own eyes. Mm-hmm. To me, that's been the most rewarding thing is to see these patients get back to golf, get back to running, get back to being with their family, get back to doing things that they haven't done in a while because of their injury. Yeah. Um, that so that in itself on the very last day on their discharge or on the graduation day for them to see how happy they are and to see for them to tell me how grateful they are of where they are at that point Mm -hmm. after they spent time with me um yeah i I mean that's priceless that's yeah um i I love that
0: that's awesome (laughs) um well i'm really excited for your um new venture and you just doing your own thing um mm-hmm. hopefully you know uh we can get you some more clients too but, but uh, <laughs> um I did want to ask um as you were talking one thought came to mind and I'm curious are there mm-hmm. a lot of women in your profession
2: yes your um, I yep, feel like so... I come a-
0: across a lot of men um really? Uh, well, I guess just in my com- my, my immediate community, I mm-hmm. know like three or four, yeah. maybe even five age, like Korean American PTs. PTs, but they're well, all males.
1: So. <laughs> so, <laughs> this was funny because I think when I was in, when I was applying to grad school and I was in grad school, and even right when I graduated, I actually didn't know, actually I didn't know any Korean American PTs in that line, except for maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because now that I've been working, I'm seeing a lot more Korean American, Asian American male PTs come out um, of PT school. But if you look at the, the general population of like the uh, or the class size of every PT school, at least um, it's primarily females. So I think it's about 60-40 oh. female to male. Okay. For That's... us in our program, I think we had like three. Three to one ratio of females to males.
0: Okay, I was just curious. I just yeah, and and
1: it's actually for females too. It's um, I always tell this to my friends. If I was a female and I was a physical therapist, I would specialize in women's health. That's a huge topic, a big, big niche that a lot of female therapists are targeting is women's health, pelvic floor um, incontinence, or especially. Pre and post labor, and they provide in-home visits, very private, one-on-one. But yeah, it's a it's a booming niche for physical therapists. So if you if you're a female physical therapist listening or a female interested in going to physical therapy, that's actually a great great um, field of, of the profession. Mm,
0: that's awesome to know. It's good to know. Um, well. Mm-hmm. right. i don't want to again i don't want to take up too much of your time and we're coming up on our hour (laughs) together um Dr. Edward, thank you so much again for your time today. Um, like he mentioned before, if you are interested in um, this episode or anything that we've talked about or even just the field of physical therapy, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to me um, and I can get you in contact with Edward. And like he mentioned, he is happy to talk with you and just any questions you might have. This is what this podcast is all about. Um, so you can email me at podcast.org wigu at gmail.com w-i-g-u um or you can dm me through instagram or any social media platform um dr edward thank you again um just a shameless plug on your behalf you know like again dm me if you are in need of a physical therapist because you seem like an amazing one um
1: yeah of course thank you for having me on this uh, i feel very honored to the invite
0: oh gosh no the honor is completely mine Uh, thank you again all right guys until next time bye